0: Guys, we're here today with Daniel Shapiro, head strength and conditioning coach for the Los Angeles Clippers. First of all, thank you. Uh, time is valuable and we appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. But with the amount of time you've been in this league and everything you experienced in your career, like it's just a blessing to be able to have you here sharing with us. Oh, thank you. So.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. You guys have known Felipe while and, and you guys, shoot, we're, we're, enemies on the field but this is what it's about is getting together on times like this especially in the bubble
2: for sure you're for the clippers right now but you have a long story in the nba yeah um so tell 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 us a little a little bit about yourself
1: yeah kind of how i got to this point i'll just not to bore everybody at home but just let you know a little bit of my background we this is my third year at the clippers but i started in 19 with the seattle supersonics Um, obviously once upon a time there was a team in seattle that's where i'm from so I was there for seven years, and I started as an intern, full-time intern in the strength and conditioning department, full-time assistant. Um, that's where I was with Dwight Dobb, Coach Dobb, and then after seven years there, my last three years there, they we started our inaugural Uh, WNBA season with the Seattle Storms so that I got three years so that's those three years I was able to learn about as far as traveling and kind of was my first opportunity at the age of 22 to have my first team that I did all the programming all the designing and just all the implementing and travel it was a really good experience so um, finished there through 2005 and then adult to 2002 and then um, I coached in college for two years at men's women's basketball at the University of Dayton which was just another, you know, just another way to continue growing. Then from there, I had a great opportunity where I moved on as the head strength and condition coach for the Sacramento Kings, and then resigned from that situation. Had opportunity, like I said, I was home in Seattle, and I always thought, you know, working at the University of Washington would be a great opportunity to come back home. I've been gone at this point now ten years. I lost my father during that time, and this, then the other. So it was kind of chance to come back home. So resigned and was at the University of Washington there, and. Uh, was there four years and unfortunately we had you know four first round picks and no NCAA tournament appearances those four years. So uh it was face to say <laughs> safe to say that I was no longer with the University of Washington and I had a great and came became very fortunate, had a great opportunity with the LA Clippers and um here three years and hope to continue having a long relationship here. And you know, during all that time, you know, with everything we've done at the Combine, it was you know, even though I was out of college you know, for four years, we, you know, we always kept in touch, saw so many people because we still were very active with the NBA combine, the pre-draft combine and uh, the association. So it's been fun.
2: Yeah, that goes a little bit. You're the director of our association, the NBSCA, right? Yep. Tell us a little bit about the MFCA and why young strength coaches would be important for them if they wanted to get into the league. To be part of what we do, yeah. the events that we do.
1: Exactly. So the, we started this, uh, the MBSCA, We came together in two thousand seven. It was, and oddly enough, we started it. We're in the Orlando bubble. It started at a dinner here. We had, we had a little uh, break in the action where we had like two or three years where we did the, the combine here, and here on the bubble. I don't remember the name of the restaurants where we really came up with uh, four of us decided to start this new association. It was, myself. Mike Curtis, Keith D'Amelio, and Sean Wendell. and We, we started this, uh, this NBSEA, and what it was at first, it was a way for us to have a common ground of the things we deal with as strength and condition coaches, a way to do continuing education together, and also to help each other grow our position. You know, we have salary surveys. We, you know, how do they treat you there? What, what facility do you work with? It was a way more to um, develop, you know, kind of like a fraternity amongst ourselves, but a way to support each other as well. And uh, we kind of were always together as United Front and the NBA pre draft Combined because that was where we, we were in charge of the performance and anthropometric measures and testing. So it was a way for, we had a reason and a purpose for us to really all get together. But then now obviously with how the NBA and with sports, you know, it's everything from, we have sponsorships, we have partnerships, we have opportunities to um, give uh, continuing education opportunities for amongst ourselves and for people outside. Which is um, to answer your question, for other strength and conditioning coaches who are looking to whether it be coaching the NBA or just kind of learn what we do for their own athletes and their respective cultures and or countries and, and teams, is um, is branching out to learn from from you know I don't want you know I you know I think we're the best I think I think you know we're, you know we're the top 30 teams in the world and I think there's a reason you know these teams spend a lot of time to find. The best performance coaches, and that's what we are, and and we've all worked very hard to get there, and we we did it by you know we met before when you were coming to the combine, come to when you were coaching in college people. as well yeah. to meet people and network and rub elbows and 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 learn and hear and shake hands and because that's really I think what it's about because uh, I, I think uh, as you know at this level. At this level in the NBA, it's not so much about what you know. You can be the smartest strength coach, but man, if you, you don't understand how to relate sure. and you're not able to communicate and learn, what, you know, you know how uh, how to get different types of people going and how to deal with different types of personalities, then you're kind of in trouble. So, um, it, you know, like yourselves, you know, you guys being, you know, from from Brazil, your family's from Brazil, like it's like having your coaches, you know, this year we weren't together in Chicago, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, but at the same time, we had a really, we had like hundreds some countries active uh, on our webinar. our webinar that we had. So online, the, online web, an online yeah. conference. Yeah. yeah, the online webinar we had, which was usually always in person, but um, so those are ways for other coaches to get involved. And as an association, we were first just NBA strength and conditioning coaches. And now we've extended expanded to like WNBA, we expanded to the G League. And we are you know, currently trying to find ways to incorporate more basketball strength and conditioning coaches outside, whether it be part of our association or how are they active. Right now, it's definitely on a continuing education platform. But hopefully, these opportunities allow us to bump elbows with others because as much as they like to come and learn from us, we li- I like to go and learn from them oh, sure. all the time. And, and I've been fortunate enough to, with the NBA to go to other countries to do... Whether it be clinics to do um, to help set up um, one of their um, their their basketball schools they had in China, went to Mexico City and did some things, and it was it was good opportunity to learn from others. Mm -hmm. What else we did? We did the Euro Camp that was really cool. We went over to Treviso, Italy, and the combine. combine, That was it. It's the combine we did in Treviso, Italy for for the Euro Camp. So it was great. I
0: feel like it's interesting because you you just kind of listed so much internationality right on every level from the organizational side from you traveling from your background from our background meeting people the field itself but and then when you really think about it how do you think that this experience or this this exposure to international backgrounds or stories or players how how do you think that sometimes shapes you as a coach or how can that help you become a more effective coach
1: well what you said it is going out there and learning is one thing but it helps because these players are coming to our teams so like like on our team that like we've talked about you've been to serbia multiple times i've been to serbia i've been to bosnia i've been to croatia i've been you know i've been a lot of places you know we go to visit our players and the more we've learned from outside of our bubble of the united states we're no able to learn yeah no pun intended we're able to kind of learn who these athletes that are coming to play for our teams and in, in our world how to understand and relate to them better i'll tell you i've i've i mean it, just the, those experiences, I think, last a long time. They're, they're memorable. Sometimes you take your family on a too, so you get, you know, you can't knock two things in one. You get a little family family trip, but it's same. not vacation because, it, as you know, we're on call, and we're always working hard with those guys, but, um, but great lessons learned, and they, and they definitely cross over here, and, and more importantly, I think, it's just being a well-rounded person because, because it shows a commitment. When the players see that you come to their country mm-hmm. to coach them, and to help them get better, oh, man, they know you're taking it. It means a lot to them. Yeah. It means a lot to them.
0: You're able to relate.
1: You're able to relate. You're able to – they show. They see a sacrifice you made. You you, you can relate. They see a the sacrifice. And they know I'm leaving however many other players you have in L.A. for those two, three weeks to come see and, and And I don't know. I wouldn't want it any other way because at the same time, you also want to make sure too now that they're doing what they need to be doing in, in their world. I mean – because at some of these countries where they go they're they're really behind the ages with strength and conditioning, so I, I mean Italy, like you know we had nagallo Gallo like yeah. I don't know if you've ever been in Italy with gallo but but obviously your your uh, predecessor has, and I'll tell you what um they they're a little they were behind they're behind with a lot of things so yeah
2: I mean it's interesting how you know you see the soccer, the soccer is so ahead of like the soccer here, and then like basketball is. Like, it's different. Just different, right? Yeah,
1: it mm-hmm. is. And, and I, I can't explain it except um, the soccer, I mean, the soccer, even though they're both two of the most worldwide sports, but for some reason, yeah, the basketball, especially some of their facilities just just haven't caught up yet. But sports science is still making its way. And I think the NBA being the Premier League, it kind of starts here and kind of works its way out. Whereas I think where Major League Soccer is more big in Europe, it kind of starts there and works its way out to the Americas.
2: Talking about training. So you started a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen college. You see uh, women's basketball and NBA. Uh, you've seen every level. Every level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how much have you changed your program from you know the the, the Kings to where you are now?
1: Shoot, I mean from. It helps with my mentor, Dwight Dava. I tell you, I mention him a lot because I really owe everything to him—the opportunity to get in, what he taught me, and you know the lessons learned. But, you know, he, he, he—I learned he, he, he. Excuse me, so I'm stuttering here, but. I wanted to, you know, to follow in his footsteps, but as you go along the way, I'm just not with him anymore. You know, When I moved on, I moved on to work with other coaches in other cities. I moved on to the University of Washington where I had a shared office with five strength coaches. And if you can't be in a shared office with five strength coaches and learn something new and ask the right questions and bounce off ideas off each other, you're probably just not gonna get a whole lot better. So as a strength coach and just like as the field, you wanna progress with it. You wanna always try to better yourself. Now my programming, I think there's a lot of still, I think there's a lot of things when it comes to dealing with my pros that are still staples, and the staples are how we deal with the NBA, and that is how we deal with managing loads and when do we train post game, back to backs, four and five, or whatever our system is. That's something that is completely different than college because if you just you know college we can plan everything as you know, but in the NBA and um, as far as my programming has changed because for example there's things that um, I want to become better at, like I, I become better in more like like we all work on movement, but I, I try to look at movement in more of a 3D, as you know, 3D, in a 3D approach, if you will. Um, science. I mean, I can go on. I mean, obviously, trying to keep up now with force plates and and where we've gone with uh, all the player monitoring and loading. You actually, you actually think about your your programming a little more detailed when it comes to that. It makes you kind of think twice, like. you should, now that I know that this guy has 80 more points of load than he had this, you know, you, you just program a little different. Yeah. But it's not stuff that's all brand new now. We've always known, and I mean, you know, we've had other ways of doing, pro, doing, doing load. You know, we, we can do, you know, RPE, you know, we have RPEs, we can, you know, we know time of practices, you know, we, we can do other ways of getting our own ways of load management, but now it's so scientific with the wearables and what we're doing that, um, if you're not adjusting your training somehow, I think you're a little bit getting caught behind.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking and talking to you, it's like, seems like you also keep the basics, right? So keep many people, that's what I'm saying. So many people like hit us up, hit me up and like uh, ask questions like, oh, what's the best sports science course I can ever take? It should be a strength coach. And I'm like, well, yeah. Just learn the basics and do like, the like, oh, that's it.
1: Hundred percent. I you mean, the, the basics are proven. They're they they've been studied. They're proven and the results. I mean, it's the Kiss method, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, sexy, or you want to call it. But um, I think there's still a lot of. I think I think a lot of my my programming is still a lot of the fundamentals are very traditional based. From from you know, you're gonna we're gonna push and pull up. We're gonna hinge. We're gonna squat. We're gonna upper body push and pull. But you know you. You, you definitely also want to be able to have a functional I, I believe in having a functional a functional appeal as well at times for guys because the part of the buying is they can see that they're getting stronger but if i can also see that they're doing it in a basketball specific movement that what they're tra- you know the transfer from the bench onto the to the floor with maybe a kaiser kaiser rotational press you know you know stuff like that with the medicine ball heavy medicine ball things then you know i think you get more buying and you can also s- kind of see the crossover on the court.
0: Inheritedly, like, with all these organizations you work with, right, in in different levels, like WNBA, NBA college, now NBA again, it's like, how many times do you feel like you had to cater the program because a certain player came from a different background, uh, training-wise, that you're like, it's like, okay, like, I have my staples, I have my basics, but then this player walks in like, believe in and something that you don't do it as often. And then now you as a coach, how do you go about that?
1: It's interesting because I kind of, when you said that question, I had three things that came up. First of all, the biggest thing that one of the things that came up is training age. That, that word, those two words, not to be the buzzword, but they mean something. Yeah. Because I had a player without saying his name that came from Serbia a couple years ago who was 31 but probably had a training age of, you know, when it came to weight room training age, probably 14 years old. But because of how their culture, you know, smoking cigarettes or how they do this or how they that, the way they practice, like, he, he was just so behind and it did damage to a body. So understanding the training age and then, the, you know, then you got the people that come where we do this over here, you know, Russian STEM, whatever you might, you know, we, whatever kind of comes with it, is that's where you kind of can start the dialogue. Well, why do you do that? Well, let's talk about why you do it. Okay, now that we know why you do it, I'm going to give you a reason why. I, I, I believe it's good. Or maybe I don't, and but I but this is a chance for us to show why maybe we're not don't say leaders all the time, but why maybe our why your method might not think that my philosophy might not think that's the best thing. Why? Maybe because it's just the time of the season. Maybe it's because maybe I have something better that you might like. Well, hey, try it. Just try yeah. it. And if you don't like it, you don't like how it feels. Man, maybe we can go back to that. Because at the end of the day, you have some people come. I'm doing what I want to do. Um, if you you know don't try and change me, yeah. and. Um, but that's why, again, the guys who are in our, our positions, our jobs, we're in these positions to try to touch those people because the ones that, you know, all about the, you know, X's and O's, it's really tough to catch the people who don't give a, Cried
0: about the accident also. It's funny and I'm gonna kind of try to tie it together but the exposure to an international culture from an educational standpoint it ties into what we just talked about training wise yep. right like understanding how a different culture does certain things traditions and how they celebrate Christmas or yep. whatever right but then is also understanding how a player trains. It's yes. also on the same sort of level, exactly. and then now you, as a coach, you're gathering all this information. You become more global, more rounded, and you can somehow relate better to your athletes.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you're pushing the gas, sometimes you're you're letting off the gas. Like I, we did a deal in China, and they were literally going like they were training like six days a week. To like they, there was no type of periodization. It was, it was a hundred percent like and, and and it was. I went in there, and I'll tell you one thing I remember was how many games they missed due to injury. And I could have told them right away. I was like, man, well you guys just overtrained like crazy. So there, that was, like I found in the Chinese culture for how they were training, because they're very Olympic-based too, but the way they were, they just didn't know how to periodize well, this, this specific area I was at. So that was a place where you kind of had to learn how they did it and teach them how to lay off the gas. And laying off the gas will probably elicit better results and then you got some places like where we were in like maybe Mexico or maybe in in, in Serbia this and that where maybe okay now that we know let's make oh, sure, sure how to push it a little bit more
2: yeah I mean that's funny you say that because I was overseas with one of the players like what five years ago with the national team we were in Croatia they had a back-to-back-to-back like three yes. games yeah, yeah. and he, he just came off like a knee injury and I was like, you know, you gotta pick one of these games that he can play. He can either play a back to back, or he can play one game, and don't play the next day, and then play the other game. They look at me like, what do you mean? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And I'm like, like they couldn't understand. And I mean, I could, I didn't speak the language, so they are all cursing and like, you know, you can set, you can tell. us, like, listen, here here's the thing. He's gonna play this game. He's gonna rest, and he's gonna play again. That that's, that's a culture the, thing too. Like that's that, sure. that's
1: part of our culture because in in. And I, and I, you know, I hate to say this, but like the NBA, in my, you know, I started in 1997, '697 with the NBA. Just being around it, right? With as far as in the strength, and, and it's turned it's probably a lot for the better. But there's areas where it's turned from a league of work to, you know, you know, a league where now the men is making sure we get our rest. Now maybe we work too much, then maybe we rest too much. I don't know, you know, that's not for this discussion or yeah. piss anybody off. But at the same time, I think. Um, part of that, like that, what you're experiencing, as you know, is p- kind of, kind of how our culture is, because they're looking at it, like wherever that team is, like, that's the best player on our team. We need them for them, for them here. So, uh, resting just doesn't make sense. Everybody else does it. Why can't he? Yeah, it, it's, but that's why, that's why, again, we are in these positions to be able to learn how to adapt and, and modify and work with these, these people.
0: Um, actually that's super interesting. You just said that. So. Comparing your early years yep. in the NBA, and then you left for college, and then now you returned yep. uh, to the, the NBA,
1: NBA. college, NBA, college, NBA, yep.
0: Wow, okay, so l- let's talk about the, the beginning of the NBA yep. to now. Yes. What is the biggest discrepancy or difference? And discrepancy not in a negative term, but like, do you think bodies have changed or mentality has changed?
1: I think I think what I've seen in my experience from the nineties to the two thousand twenties now already. This is kind of crazy to think it's and I'm only twenty eight, so it's amazing how that happens. But to go from there to there, it was it was more hardcore lift like traditional lifting. Okay, it was and then I remember at the end was when physio balls came out. So everyone was getting functional, everything was wearing the word functional, then bands and functionals and then Bosu the Bosu, the, the and, and now the all great tools, all great things, and then what happened was there was I, I believe it, it took a little backseat, some traditional kind of fell down a little bit. people were you know, functional was really the buzzword things were going, which was great. but then there's a little bit there's a little bit of a, of a spike in injuries I heard, mm-hmm. and then they were saying, you know, there are a lot of things where we have to get gather strength again. I believe now what's happened is through education and science, we're in a position now where I think there's an appreciation for still back to the basics and traditional lifting, yet knowing to where science has gone, but also including the functional aspect to it because um, training has evolved. I mean, that's, and, and, and we can either go along with it, get on the train or not. And training has evolved and science has evolved and the mentality has evolved. I mean, s- sleep, I mean, let's talk about sleep. Yes. Sleep was even taught. I mean, we didn't talk about it in the nineties. Sure. We didn't talk about it. it we, all, right? we didn't talk about it. And then my time with it started like my la- my mid time with the Kings, like is when it really became a big deal. And and I believe our coach Doc Rivers was a big part because Celtics. There was a couple teams that started stopping the uh, shootarounds. Mm-hmm. So shootarounds were so a guys big can thing. Sleep longer. So guys can sleep longer, especially when it was crossing over time zones. However mm-hmm. they did it, but. Back in the day, I remember in the early 90s, we did not get a day off unless it was off of, back oh, to, yes. off of back-to-back. to back. That's we did,
0: crazy. We, See, because I never lived that. So like hearing you say oh it, my it, it's gosh. like, oh my God, yeah.
1: And it was, and I'm talking practice every day. And even sometimes after a back-to-back, that's we would still practice. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And training camp. Training camp was two weeks of double days. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you know, and... Yeah. But then injuries and then the player association, the collective bargaining, there's a lot of things, you know, there's political things involved as well that happen in in protecting our players because um, now, you, you know, now there's, I, I think, I think there's, I think we're definitely better, I think we're definitely training smarter now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to, you know, as much as we are, as strength and conditioning coaches, our jobs are to be the gas pedal, but at the same time, understanding that, you know, sometimes we have to let off, I know it's tough sometimes, but um, letting people know, hey man, you gotta take, you gotta take the day. You got you got you know what? You might we only get two out of the next five days just because of what we're dealing with with this. Even though you want to train three, four days, I get it. We can do something, but let's just just trust. Yeah.
0: I think the beauty of what we're talking about is literally like being able to have that conversation with yes. the players yeah. and with the staff and, and understand that like, okay, I learned things a certain way yeah. doesn't mean that they need to be. A certain way forever. Correct. Correct. And to your point, if you're not following a little bit of that trend yep. and being more like a like a mediator, yep. where it's like, hey, we need some of this old stuff, yep. we need a little bit of the basics, but we can also like take yep. the gas the foot off the gas pedal as Is, well.
1: Some guys might you know, you have some guys that need more that need more volume of work. Some guys mm-hmm. are just naturally just built. Maybe they in their sense, maybe they just need more mobility type work. Yeah. But you know, I'm a big believer, it's funny, I'm just a big believer that that the great thing about the weight room is we, we can manipulate sets and reps, intensities, there's so many different type of things that we can manipulate to kind of hit every type of athlete. Yeah. You, know, sure. you know, I can take, make a bench press for a guy that doesn't need to get stronger and to work on speed. I can, we, we can do it for a guy that needs to gain 20 pounds and still put him on the bench press and just change it to where he needs to just get bigger, or a guy that just needs to get stronger, not bigger. You know, we, 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 can, do, we can manipulate exercises to try to get the goals that we're looking for each individual.
2: But you know, like, one of my favorite things in strength conditions in the, in strength conditioning in the NBA is that players, players always come back to the weight room. You know what I mean? Like yes. there's some players don't like to lift yeah. until they don't play well for three games. Yeah. And then they're like, I start lifting for like a week. I need to get my body right. They get my body right. Like we call our weight room the safe place. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't care what's happening there. You gotta be here. This is your safe place. You know, yeah. we're gonna talk about basketball, yes, but yes. this your always like whatever we talk here, it's gonna be here, and here's how you're gonna work.
1: I think that I think you, it's a safe place for multiple reasons. Safe place. It's a place where they can vent and be basketball players and and you know talk how they want to talk because you know that we are not gonna affect their game minutes, right? But at the same time, it's a safe place that you know these people also have my best. interest. Interest in mind, so then okay, you know what? I'm gonna go in there knowing that I'm not gonna get killed, man. He's gonna know, he's gotta know what what I might need today. But, um, yeah, you're, yeah, it is a safe place, and it it is, you know, that's why we're, we're, we're part psychiatrists, psychologists, PhD, MD, whatever we are, man. We're, we're just trying to be, to try to do what's best for the athlete.
0: Having those type of perspectives can really help people, like, at least come up with a plan for their careers. Cause again, and we already emphasized this before, but the idea of these chats are to get, you know, give information like, or share a little bit of the story of how we got into the spots that we are. And just, you know, hopefully these conversations can help other professionals. And to know that this is not just a glamorous life, you know, we put in the struggle, there's tough times, but we, as an association, uh, we share things, we talk, and we try to make each other better because then the whole thing gets better.
1: And It all gets better that way. And I tell you, you know, if like you said, it, how we all got here. And the biggest thing I try to tell people, and I like to think we all have experienced this, is being humble by volunteering, interning. Even though you learn something new and you love it, ask somebody something new. Sure. Like that—that's the—that's what I think gets lost. And you know, like you said, it's. Like we're very fortunate when we get here but some people like i know when they apply the first you know the first question at times is you know what is it about money yeah. we just say man how much does it pay, how much does it pay? like you know I, I no joke i was in you sacramento you, yeah
2: you <laughs> paid to be an intern you told me right what's it you
1: paid to be an intern yeah, yeah. so yeah. so when i was with Se- that. when i was with the seattle supersonics i started out i was there seven years from 96 to 03 and when i started there it, i volunteered and then they made it mandatory; they had to get school credit. Well, I was already taking a full load at a price, so I was at a different university about an hour and a half away from Seattle, where I started. And I was vol- I was driving when they'd go play the Vancouver Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. I would go go up to Vancouver because I was riding right between Canada, so I'd go there, come home on weekdays when I didn't have class, weekends when I have class, or sometimes I probably skip class and intern. Like I was always. Then finally, they had an opportunity to transfer. So I transferred, but that year I transferred. They said, "Man, if you want to be an intern, you have to get school credit." While well, I was and I transferred to only school in Seattle that had an exercise science degree was a private university. So I'm already taking a full load, and then after that, you pay per credit. So I had to get. So I literally had to pay. I think, and I'm and I'm volunteering. So I had to pay to volunteer. Otherwise, I couldn't volunteer. And I had to get school credit. So I had to pay for extra credits of intern to to do it. And and then, you know what? It's paid me back a hundred times, right? Just A, through the experiences, B, through the longevity I've been fortunate to have up to this point in the career, and I just you know hope to continue with that longevity. And if anything else, for the people watching, the thing is to keep it with that longevity is continuing to learn, and even with the changes, is still understand and have a reason and a purpose why you do what you do, understanding, you know, having your, your core principles, but still being open-minded and willing to learn and understand other people's way of doing things. And that's just, I, I mean, that's just a lesson that I think it's tough because as strength coaches, we're very, a lot of us are very type A people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And me, myself included. And I think it, it, it can be very easy to just, to say this is the way we're gonna do it, we're gonna, we're gonna do it. And unfortunately, you know, with, as you find in our league, it's a player's league. Yeah. And, if it, and a lot of times if we have that mentality you're just not going to get buy-in.
0: Players going to repel the way. They're going to
1: repel. And at the end of the day, the, you know, your, our, 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 our superiors and our upper management want to see a cohesive unit in the way. They don't want to see people like, nah, I don't want to go in there, you know, blah, 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 because of, you know, because they want me to do this and I don't want to do it.
0: Do you remember exactly how you, you got that opportunity with the supersonics, can you can you like rewind back in time and be like, was it a phone call? Was it an email, a letter?
1: <laughs> I looked out, so I looked. I started. So the reason how I got in, uh, the color commentator for the for the uh, for the uh, OKC Thunder's is by the name of Michael Cage. Michael play, Cage played in the NBA for 15 years. He moved right next door to one of my best friends in school, so I went by for an autograph. And for whatever reason, all the kids that came by, he invited me and my brother back. So we came back, our family became very close, so I, I, I lived with him part-time for a while, spent a lot of time with this. So I was going to the practice hanging out with this NBA player all the time. I spent off-scenes with him training, you know, I was a basketball player. So like for me, I was in cloud nine, but he was one of the first to get into juicing and he was a really big weightlifter. So I got to know Bob Medina through him, who was the strength coach at the time. So I, I volunteered and assisted Bobby, but then Bobby, after one year left to the Portland Trailblazers, and at that point, I was already in. I, had, I knew everybody, so I was coming into the facility, rebounding, doing this and that. And then Dwight Dog came in. I'll never forget. He came in brand new. Just came from the University of Utah. So he hadn't worked in the NBA. And I've just literally been around for a year and a half. So I just came to him. and I said, hey, you don't need to pay me anything. Can I, do you mind if I just come and volunteer and help? And you know, I'll help you. I, I was here with the guy before. I can kind of help you get started with things. He said, sure, come on. And I told him I wanted to learn, and that's when I changed my degree, did everything. Because at first, I didn't know if I wanted to be a basketball coach mm-hmm. or a strength and conditioning. And I thought, you know, this is pretty cool, because at the time, there weren't basketball strength and conditioning coaches. Yeah. It, yeah. And I hate to say it, but everyone, all the strength coaches that first came to the NBA, all came from the NFL. so Or from college football, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. So for me to go in there and with, with really no fun, I, mean, I played high school football, but not to the point to where I was a football strength and condition coach, by any means. So when I came in and he said, yeah, come on. And then I started it and then I started interning. And then everyone used to make make fun of him because when he finally kept me full time, Dwight to this day, and, I, and I've said this story before, but talk about the opportunities is what you create for others. He, you know, he was a one income family and then it came to the point where I, you know, I was volunteering so much that as I, I asked about if I could get paid, and he went to the top and said, "Listen, can we get Daniel to be, you know, hourly?" And they said, "Well, your contract's up. Would you? We can either give you a raise or pay Daniel. Which would you want?" And he told the team, "Pay Daniel." Wow. And wow. and that's to this day, volume, volumes. And and that's why I just, you know, that guy, get. I mean, he, he he saw where it was, and at the time it was funny because I'll never forget. I, I, I think I was the first full-time assistant, like full-time assistant in the NBA, um, depending on who you ask, but people will come into the weight room and just bust his chops, like, what? There's only 15 players. What do you need an intern or assistant it's for? There's only, there's only one, yeah, there's only 50, yeah, because they come from football. Yeah, They're used yeah. to doing like 70 with like one assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're killing them, and football now five. the NBA, football five, and now every team's got one or not two or three assistants and intern, and it's just, that's another place where you've seen it grow, which is great because we've seen the growth of the importance yes, of performance yes. training. But boy, did I get my chops busted because I was getting paid as like, and he was getting you know assistant, as an assistant, assistant in the NBA. <laughs> what? So anyway, that was kind of a cool way to you know to go back to how the NBA has kind of evolved.
2: I uh, appreciate you.
1: No, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Oh, any, awesome. yeah. Thank you so much. Don't tell me the bubble. We shook hands. We did elbows out here. <laughs> I mean, do it again. And we'll do it again. We'll it. That. That <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. Thanks for your time. This is uh, Daniel Shapiro, the head strength conditioning coach for the Clippers. You got it? Uh, the president for the N- N- NBSC. I say director, I believe, but you're the president. Yeah, for no. The no I think you say
1: director of the combine, but that was the director of performance. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. We're all. If people want to
0: reach out to you, connect or whatever, is there any? Yeah, you Prefer can. For me, more.
1: Email is probably the best. I'm not great at returning, but I will do my best. <laughs> and that's dshapiro at clippers.com. D S H A P I R O at clippers.com.